Well, as you can see, it, it really was a, a fantastic week of our church getting to just invest in the children of this community. What, what you believe about God is readily seen when children are near. And we had a great opportunity to reveal what we believe about God this week. If you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. You're sitting at the high school graduation and dad's in his suit and tie, hardly ever wears a tie, but he's got it on at graduation, and mom's got the Kleenex out, and they're just going all over the place, and your child's sitting there waiting for their name to be called, and they call your name, and you walk across the stage, they give you a diploma, you've been working for this for 13 years, you are now a high school graduate, it's a big moment, everybody is excited, but what now? What do, you, what do you do next? You've trained for six months. 26.2 grueling miles. You bonked at mile 20, but you kept going and you kept pressing through. And eventually you crossed that finish line and they played chariots of fire. And they gave you a space blanket and a medal. And you get a Gatorade bottle and you have accomplished a feat that few people accomplish. You are a marathon finisher. What now? You've saved your money for years and years. You've had this dream of being able to retire and get to a point of financial security, and now it is here. You own your own home. You own a Winnebago. You are blessed. You're retired. What now? God's been working in your life. You've been searching for a church home, and you went to this church and this church, and somehow you landed here at Murphy Church, and you really liked it. Other than the preaching, it was a pretty cool place, and and you've been looking around, and you've made a commitment, and this is where you're going to worship, and this is your church home. You, You are part. What now? Question for you. How do you make the most of the blessings that God gives you? How do you make the most of the opportunities that God gives you? And the flip side of this is a concern because life moves pretty fast. And the older that we get, the faster life moves. And and I don't want to waste the one and only life that I have. I don't want to waste the blessings and the opportunities that God brings my way. And I think you don't either. So this morning, I I want us to conclude this sermon series on I Am a Church Member, asking the question, how can we be rich towards God? How can we live large when it comes to spiritual matters? And we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 12. Here in the beginning of the chapter, Jesus runs into a messy situation. He encounters a family that is in the middle of a fight, and they were fighting over the inheritance. There are a few things in life that are just more despicable than whenever families fight over the inheritance. And so in verse 13, someone from the crowd says to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, he said to him, Who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Now, there's a little irony there because Jesus is ultimately our judge and arbitrator. But he's like, I'm not going to get in the middle of this situation. Why why are you asking me? 
And then he told them, watch out and be on guard. Now, anytime Jesus says, watch out and be on guard, perhaps we should pay attention to what he's about to say. Watch out and be on guard against all greed. Because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Are you greedy? Are you a greedy person? You say, of course I'm not greedy. No, nobody readily admits to being greedy. I mean, at a job interview, whenever they ask you, okay, you, you've told me your strengths. Okay, now what, what are your weaknesses? Nobody ever says, well, I'm a very, very greedy person. You know, I mean, we, we, just don't, we, do, we just don't claim greediness as one of those things that we want to embrace. But, but a lot of times, if we really look at ourselves, we do suffer from greed. Now, most of the time, when it comes to greed, we think of possessions. We think of money and being greedy with those things. But I think I, I want to talk to you a little bit about a different kind of greed, and that is a, a focus greed. You see, focus greed is about how you see your life. What do you see at the center of your life? Whenever we have focus greed, we see ourselves as the center of the universe. And so God and family and everything else revolves around ourselves. So whenever a blessing comes into our life, whenever an opportunity comes into our life, whenever we have focus greed. We see, we see these blessings. We even see our children. We see a job. We see all of these things as making a better me or perhaps an opportunity to make an easier me. And so whenever we're suffering from focal greed, then we subtly think that a really good me is kind of my gift to the world. I'm, I'm just kind of a, a gift to you. Now, sometimes that focal greed begins to creep into the church whenever we see the church as revolving around me. I'm the center of attention here. I'm the reason why uh, this church exists, we think. And so sermons and music and ministries and camps and all of this is about making a better and an easier me. We have this consumer mentality that, that I'm purchasing the, the ministries of the church, and, and it's ultimately about making my life easier and about serving me. And so my gift to the church and my gift to God is a really good me. <laughs> well, Jesus says, watch out here. Be on guard against a greedy attitude. Now, Jesus always went deeper than the surface issue. The surface issue of the inheritance, that, that was just the superficial level. Jesus always goes down deeper. A heart of greed, a focused greed, is going to lead you to a spiritual poverty. And Jesus gives us a lesson that, if we, if we really would take to heart, could change our life. He says, life is not about merely the collecting of things. Life is not about just collecting Blessing, blessings. Now here's a, here's a real question for you. What are you going to do with the blessings that you have? What are you going to do with the blessings that you have? And those blessings can come in all different shapes and sizes. Look at verse 16. 
Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and goods there. So here's the scenario. Agrarian economy, uh, farmers primarily, very successful man. He farms his own land. He works hard. And, and one day he hits it big. I don't know, maybe he created Farmtown for Facebook or something like that. But uh, his, his ship came in and he is now very, very wealthy. And he has more money and more stuff than he knows what to do. Some of you say, I'll take that problem, okay? I'll gladly take that problem of having more money and stuff than I know what to do. So here's his conclusion. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to tear down what I have, and I'm going to build bigger barns to store my stuff in it. Now, the business plan is not inherently flawed. There's, there's nothing wrong with needing bigger barns because you've outgrown what you have. So the problem is not that he builds bigger barns. The, the problem is found in the next verse. In verse 19, this man says to himself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. The problem is that he was building bigger barns for the sole purpose that he wanted to store what he had so that he might take it easy, eat, drink, and live his life in a hedonistic, enjoy-yourself mentality. Stacy and I were in a restaurant not long ago, and you know how in the restaurants they have the TVs on the wall, and so something caught my eye on one of those TVs. It said that only 25% of Americans believe that the American dream is still obtainable. Only 25% of Americans believe that the American dream is attainable. Now, what is the American dream? What is the American dream? What is the dream of our country? We think about the 4th of July coming up. What's our dream? Well, early in America, the American dream was a freedom to worship. And I think it's very important, particularly as Christians, that we don't lose sight of this, that our forefathers came to America because they wanted to be free to worship their Lord. And they didn't want the government telling them how they were to worship. So they got on boats, risked their life, started over because they wanted to be free to worship their God and not have a state religion. As time went by, the American dream began to change a little bit. Uh, the American dream became that we were a land of opportunity. And here in America, you could own your own land. And you had the potential to prosper as the country continued to grow and evolve. And uh, in the post-Civil War area, the, the, the era, the, the dream became that regardless of race, regardless of where you came from, social class, that anyone in America could enjoy liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And then over the last 50 years, the American dream has kind of changed into the achieving of security and luxury. 
that if we can be safe, if we can be financially secure, if we can have comfortable homes and comfortable things, then we've achieved the American dream. And here's my question for us today. Is the goal of life building bigger barns? Is that what it's all about? Is that what we live for? Just to build bigger barns. Well, here's what God said to the man in the parable in verse 20. He says to him, you fool. This very night, your life is demanded of you. You've made all these plans. You've stored it up. You've set yourself where you can be comfortable for the rest of your life. And guess what? You're dying tonight. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? All these things you've collected, all this stuff you put in the barns, you're dying today, and they're going to be divided up amongst your children. And your children are probably going to fight over them. And then once they get it, they're going to waste it. Now, did Jesus really call this guy a fool? It's got to sting when God calls you dumb, you know? The problem was not that he was wealthy. It's okay to have nice things. It's okay to do well in your job. It's okay to have a savings account. The problem was not that he was wealthy. The problem was how he viewed his blessings. You see, he had the wrong goals. He had the wrong perspective. He had forgotten that you can't take all this stuff with you. If the accumulation of things is the goal of life, we all fail because you can accumulate many, many things. And guess what? None of that goes with you at the end of life. He had hoarded for himself rather than being rich towards God. And we're going to talk more about that in a few moments, what it means to be rich towards God. But I don't know about you. But when I leave this world and stand before my Lord, I don't want to hear him say, what were you thinking, Banks? You lived your whole life for yourself. I mean, you're here, but you put the amazing in grace, son. Now get on in here. Whenever I stand before my Lord, I I want him to say to me, hey, well done. You were a good and faithful servant. Well, Jesus concludes the story in verse 21. He says, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself. So where's the goal? For himself. That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You see, the opposite of spiritual poverty is spiritual wealth. And the opposite of focus greed is is focus generosity. So here's the lesson. Here's what I want you to take home. Here's what I want you to mull over throughout the coming days. Jesus taught you, and he taught me, that we should live our lives rich towards God. Jesus taught us that we are to live our lives rich towards God. How do we make our lives rich towards God. Let me take that word R-I-C-H and talk about how we can live large spiritually. R. Refocus your perspective. 
realize that you are not the center of the universe, that God is the center of our attention, that we exist for Him, and that our entire life is an act of worship. And God gives you blessings, and those blessings come in all shapes and sizes. Some of you may be very well off financially and embrace that as a blessing from God. Some of you may not have any money in the bank, but you're very wealthy in other areas because you have relationships and you have people that love you and you have opportunities and perspective and gifts that can be used for God. I mean, blessings come in all sorts of shapes and sizes. Enjoy your blessings. Realize that whenever God blesses us, that's a good, wonderful gift, and enjoy it. I get so sick of the Christian mentality of false guilt that we try to pour that on other people. Well, God's given you some nice things, and we have this mentality of, well, must be nice. You shouldn't have nice things because you love God. We shouldn't have that mentality. If God's given you stuff, and enjoy it and enjoy the blessings. Yet at the same time, keep them in perspective. Because with every blessing that we have, whether it's a lot of things or whether it's relational blessings, with every blessing that we have, there's also opportunity. And if you just see those blessings as just landing on yourself, they're kind of like water balloons that come and hit the wall and just terminate upon you. And and that's how you see life. You're always just going to be focused on yourself and you're going to live with this focused greed. Instead, you ought to see yourself as a conduit. And when those blessings come into your life, there's also opportunities to invest in other people and to make much of God. I invest in the things of God. Invest your time in the things of God. So, so very thankful for 104 volunteers this past week. I mean, that has been amazing watching some of you guys just invest your lives in the children of our community. Invest your time. Invest your experiences. You know, sometimes we go through painful moments in life. And we can take those experiences and we can invest those in other people. Some of you have, have lived life and you have some interesting aspects to your story. And those interesting chapters in your life, sometimes those difficult chapters in your life, they also provide you an opportunity to invest your experience in order to help others. Invest your income in the things of God. Here are three numbers that can revolutionize your finances. 80, 10, 10. Take the money that you have, whether it's great or small, and make the choice that we're going to live on 80% of that. We're going to save 10% of it, and we're going to give 10% to the Lord. Teach your kids to give, save, live. 80, 10, 10. Invest your finances in the things of God. There is no better financial investment than to invest in the kingdom of God. So take the time to invest in the things of God. C, church is important. I want to refocus my perspective. I want to invest in the things of God. Church is important. I don't walk alone through life. I need others. I need people to walk with me. Now, we touched on this a little bit last week in that as a society, we are more connected than we've ever been. 
we have more friends and we keep up with more friends than we've ever, ever have as a society through social media and through smartphones. But one thing that we may lose sight of is the importance of having face-to-face friends. You need people in your life that live in your community. You need people in your life that can be there with you and walk beside you. People that are 2 a.m. friends that you can have face-to-face conversations with. You need those individuals in your life that will come around you and help you during difficult moments of life. We've seen this in our church. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the Hamlet family, they, they lost Clay, Mark's brother. And we saw their life group come around them and help them and just rally around them as they grieved. What is that? That's the church being the church. That is, that's living life together. And when the church comes together, we can make a difference. I, I'm just so encouraged how the church came together this week. We made a commitment that we're going to try to reach out to the children in our community. And many of the kids that came through the doors of the church this week, they don't come here every Sunday. They came for VBS. And the adults and the congregation came together. We poured ourselves into those kids. And some of us got really tired this week. But we were pouring ourselves into kids. Why? Because this is something we can do together. We can make a difference in our community when we work together. And 19 children embraced Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior because the church came together. Other children took steps towards God and grew in their relationship with Him. Some of them experienced love in a whole new way because they saw God's people being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. What is that? That's the church being the church. Realize that part of being rich towards God is to realize that church is not an afterthought in your life. Church is vital. Church is Jesus' idea. Church is important. H, remember that heaven is for real. Heaven and hope are the most underpreached doctrines in the Christian faith. They are vital to the Christian faith. I have some cheerful news for you today. You're going to get older and die. Just call me Mr. Sunshine. I'm here for you today. Hey, work out, eat well, you know, try to try to take care of your health, but eventually uh, you're going to get older and and you're going to die. And in fact, we're not even promised tomorrow as we saw in the parable. That's going to happen. But I also have some sobering news for you today. All these things that you have collected, none of them go with you. Some good news. You're not going to care. Because if you're a child of God, you're going to be in heaven. And you're not going to care about all these things, all these products that you stalked on eBay. You're not going to care about any of those things when you're in heaven. They're not going to really matter to you. And now I have some reflective news. For you to think about. It's possible for you to outlive your life. When you live your life in a way where you are rich towards God, you outlive your life. Jim Clonch never had a lot of things. He was a machinist. He lived in Haltom City, Texas. He lived in a small house just over a thousand square feet. He didn't have a real nice lawn or anything like that. In his 30s, 
he was diagnosed with leukemia. And he thought he might die in his 30s. The Lord graciously put it into remission and he had years to raise his children and to live his life. And as he lived his life, he always lived rich towards God. Anytime the church was open, Jim was there. He volunteered at church. He ran a bus route. He served as a deacon. He sang in the choir. Even though he didn't have a lot, he was always generous to give to the offering and to support the ministries of the church. He lived with a generous spirit. Now, he didn't have a good fashion sense. In fact, his fashion was pretty hideous. And one day, he wore an orange tie with purple polka dots on it, and I half-jokingly complimented his tie. The next week, he brings it in dry-cleaned and gives it to me as a gift. I felt like Johnny Cash from A Boy Boy Named Sue. What could I do? I had to wear that tie for weeks to come. In my early 20s, as I was transitioning from adolescence into adulthood, Jim Claunch took an interest in me, and he started spending time with me. Every Friday, we would go and play golf. Neither one of us could afford it, and neither one of us were any good at golf, but we would go every Friday morning, early, early, and play golf. He would actually have to get up way before the sun rose because he had to take care of his health just so he could get out there and play. And golf wasn't really what that was all about. As I look back on it, what it was all about was him investing in me as a young man. In the year 2002, at the age of 55, Jim died. Leukemia took his life. But his legacy lives on. His legacy lives on in his family. I watched on Father's Day as they posted pictures about how they went to his grave and they honored their father. His legacy lives on in his church. His legacy lives on in men like me, as I stand before you and tell you his story and tell you how he invested in me, his legacy lives on because he realized that as he was rich towards God, he could outlive his life. And you can too. Your life can have impact. Your life can land deeply in the hearts of those around you when you live your life rich towards God. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads and we come to a time of commitment. During this time, perhaps uh, you need to be saved today. You need to become a Christian. I'll be here at the front, and I would be glad to pray with you about what it, what it and talk to you about what it means to become a Christian. Maybe today the Lord is just pressing up against your heart, and while others are singing the song, you need to spend this time in prayer, and you can Be seated at your seat and pray as others are singing. If there's anything that I may pray with you about, I'll be here and I'd be glad to pray with you. Still others, maybe God has put some thoughts on your mind and and you need to get those thoughts out of your mind onto paper. And during this time, maybe you just need to journal or write down what you're thinking and how God is speaking to you. Just follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your life right now. I'm going to pray. The music's going to begin and then we'll have our time of commitment and response. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, and we thank you, Lord, that we don't walk through life alone. Thank you, Father, that you have blessed us, and sometimes, Lord, we don't see all those blessings for what they are. 
Help us, Lord, to take the blessings that you bring into our lives and to extend those outward. Help us, Lord, to invest our lives in the things of God, to be rich towards you. Help us, Lord, to realize that life is not just about a more comfortable, better me, but life is about using my life to make much of you. Help us, Lord, to invest in the things of God. Lord, help us to realize just how important this thing called church really is. And help us, Lord, to realize that as children of God, heaven is in our future. So help us to outlive our lives by pouring our lives into others. Pouring our lives into those things that really matter. It's in Jesus' name that we praise your name. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.